it's more effective if we can notice our part in the pattern and then ask ourselves, what could I do differently? Totally different question. What's wrong with them? How about what could I do differently? What is my part in the pattern? And try to rely on actions instead of words. This can be revolutionary for a marriage. Hey, you're listening to the Blessed Couple Podcast, where we talk about how to do this marriage thing and experience God in the process. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Let's get started. The topic of the conversation is the power of one, because I actually believe that one person can make a lot of changes in a marriage, and I want to provide you with some real strategies. So that's really my goal. I'm hoping that tonight... Those of you who are listening will be able to see your marriage a little bit differently, learn some new strategies that you can actually use, and feel a little bit freer to experiment and, of course, practice. That's my goal for tonight. And those of you who know me know that I firmly believe that marriage is our spiritual path. And I believe that because I think that marriage is the place where most of our emotional and spiritual growth happens because most of our growth happens in relationship and our marriage relationship is the most important relationship. And like all spiritual practices, it's all about the practicing. We have to actually practice in order to move forward on our path. But before we can practice, we need to work on becoming a little bit more aware of how we think, how we feel, act. Some of you, I'm betting, have had this experience or this thought that you feel like you're doing all the work in your relationship. And that's a pretty common experience. Some of you might have uttered these words too at some point in your marriage. My partner doesn't want to grow. It's all up to me. I have to do all the growing. And if you felt that, you've also probably felt like this. It's just not fair. I've got to do all the work. And I want you to know, for those of you who have had that experience, that it's actually really common in relationships for one person to be more inclined to make changes than the other. It's natural. There's almost always one person that is a little more relationship-oriented in a couple and is more interested in taking the emotional temperature of the relationship. And that's fine. Sometimes in a long-term marriage, people will switch and take turns But it doesn't really matter. It's okay if only one person in a marriage is interested in making change happen. What's not okay, though, is if you're that person and you're frustrated and you find yourself blaming your spouse for all of the problems in the relationship. That tends to happen when we feel, I'm doing all the work and I'm not getting anywhere and it's all your fault. Blaming is always poisonous in any relationship and we have to really be mindful of it. It's toxic. My experience is that most of the time we don't start out blaming our spouse. It's usually our default reaction when we don't know how to take responsibility effectively. I think most people really don't mind taking responsibility to improve the relationship that matters to them the most. It's just that when we don't know how to do it effectively, we get very discouraged, and then it gets easy to blame. So I want to give you some vision that taking responsibility in relationships can be empowering for everyone, 
if we know what to do. There's the rub. So what do we do? Now, I know that all of you out there have had those experiences that you've tried and tried to get your spouses and sometimes your children to grow and to change and feel frustrated because you haven't gotten the results that we're after. We've all had that experience. So what I want you to do right now, and if you have a pen and a piece of paper, it's good to write this down. I want you to think really carefully about what you usually do when you get upset with your spouse, when you're having a fight, when you're trying to get them to do something that they don't want to do, when you guys are upset with each other, what do you do? Some people nag. Some people withdraw. Some people put on their boxing gloves. We all have certain behaviors that we do. So I want you to think very clearly about what you do when you get upset. And again, if you can write it down, do so. And once you have that in your mind, what do I usually do when I'm upset with my spouse? Then I want you to ask this question. When I do what I do, am I getting the results that I want? Is my action effective? When I do what I do, does my teenager do what I'm asking them to do? Does my spouse hear me and respond? Do we get end up feeling closer to each other when I do what I do? That's the most important question. Do I get the results that I want when I do what I do? The focus of the webinar tonight is to help you get the results that you want. Here's the good news. And there is good news. The good news is that people in relationships affect each other. That's the way that we're made. So if you do something, it affects me. And if I do something, it affects you. We affect each other. And what's even more important is that spouses are like amazingly tuned into each other. By virtue of living together and loving each other, the longer you live together, the more tuned in usually you get. And that's why you can come home from work, walk into the living room, and know exactly how your spouse is feeling. You know exactly what kind of day they had before you even ask them. You can just tell. Because we grow to become more and more tuned into each other as spouses. If I asked you right now to start a fight with your spouse in the next five minutes, I bet that every single one of you there listening would know exactly what to do. Think about it. Think about the last fight you had and see if you knew exactly what you did to get that fight going. Most of us who've been married for a while have a list of fights that we, you know, we fight about the same thing often, over and over. And we know exactly how those fights begin. So it's interesting because most of us would know exactly how to begin a fight with our spouse. This is good to know because what it means is we can also create positive changes in our relationship just as quickly and effectively. Just like we know what to do to get our spouse upset, we actually know what to do to make our spouse feel good. So if you think about that, we actually have a lot more power than we realize and we actually can affect positive change single-handedly. That's the power of one. Even if our spouse is not on the webinar, even if our spouse would never go to a marriage workshop or read a marriage education book, we can still affect positive change. It starts by the way that we look at our relationships. And that's the first thing I really want to talk about. 
we have to look at our relationships a little bit differently than we usually do, okay? So I feel like every relationship is like a dance. In other words, when you're married, you develop certain patterns of the way you relate. This is how we relate when we're happy, and this is how we relate when we're sad. We have our little behaviors and our patterns that we build up over the years, just like when you have a certain dance. There are certain dance steps in every dance. So every relationship is like a dance, and that means that we can change the dance steps. This is huge when you think about it. Okay, so I'm going to say that again. I want you to look at your marriage like it's a dance and think about the steps, the dance steps that you and your spouse have developed. The thing is, if one person changes, the other person cannot sustain the same response. If you do one different step, then your spouse, if you're dancing together, is going to respond to that. They have to because that's how we're built. We respond to each other. If one spouse's attitudes and actions will always influence the other spouse, it's inevitable. We can't help it. So the main point of this information is that the relationship dynamic is the problem, not our partners. That's so important that if you do have a pen and a piece of paper, you should write it down, okay? Because we always think it's our partner that's the problem. If they would only change, everything would be okay. But actually, if you look at your relationship in this new way, that your relationship is a finely tuned dance, then you can realize that your relationship dynamic is the problem, not your partner. So the way to change what your partner is doing is to change how we are interacting with them. That's really different. The way to change what our partners are doing is to change how we are interacting with them. So we want to put all of our focus on changing our part of the interaction, not our spouse. Now that's a very different way of looking at marriage and at creating change. But it puts all of the power in our court. That's what's exciting about it. And marriage is always an inside job. In other words, it always, the success of a marriage, the reality of our marriage always comes from what's going on inside of us. And any spiritual practice starts with me. So that's important as a foundation for the strategies that I'm going to suggest. Here they go. I hope you're all ready. Here's some strategies for change. The first strategy is, if it isn't working, try something else. Now I know that some of you are thinking, well, that sounds really simple. However, most of us feel like we've tried everything. And when I talk to couples, that's always what they say to me. I've tried everything. I have tried everything. But actually, we feel that way. But most of the time, we're just doing the same things over and over. And as we all know, the definition of crazy is a person that does the same thing over and over and expects to get a different result. And that's how we are a lot of the time. That's why I'm saying, if it isn't working, try something else. I really want to encourage you to experiment with new attitudes and behaviors. Be creative. I know this is not easy, because actually we tend to be very uncreative in our relationships, even if we're extremely creative in the rest of our lives. When it comes to our relationships, we are boring, and our options can be very narrow especially if they're only based on our, the experiences that we had based on what we learned in our families of origin. So I want to give you an example 
of how you can think outside of the box, do something completely different, and then see what happens. A lot of the strategies that I'm going to suggest tonight, you really just have to experience them and experiment and see what you can learn. So this one I read in a book and I thought it was fabulous. I'm sure all of you have had the experience, either with your spouse or your kids, where you tried to get them to do something. So in this case, a mom was trying to get her son to set the table. That was his chore. And every single night they had the same routine. About 10 minutes before dinner, she'd give him a call. Honey, can you please come and set the table? And if you're a parent, you know exactly how he would respond. He always said the same thing in a minute. In a minute, Mom. And a couple of minutes later, she'd say, Honey, can you please come and set the table? And of course, he would say, In a minute, Mom. And that usually went on several times. And then Mom would get frustrated, of course. And as many moms and dads end up doing, she just set the table because it was easier. So she would set the table. And then everybody would come to the table. And the son never said a word. And Mom never said anything. And you know, we do this a lot with our kids and with each other. And what we're really doing in this case is we end up training, like this mom was actually training her son not to do what she said she was asking him to do. Because he was learning that if I just say in a minute, mom, she'll give up and set the table. He had already learned that, you understand? So this is what we do all the time. And because a lot of times these things that we come up with are very unconscious. We don't think them through. It's just this is what I do and this is what they do. But let's go back to the table. So this mom decided one day she was going to be extremely creative and think outside of the box. So she did the same thing. Honey, come and set the table. Five times, kid didn't come and set the table. So this time, she didn't set the table. Everybody came and sat down and the table looked just like it does in the screen. Empty. Everybody was sitting there waiting and mom came to the table and she served the spaghetti and meatballs and she put them right on the table. Well, you know, it actually got a new response. It was an out-of-the-box, unusual, unexpected new action. She did something different and it got way different response. And you know, her son figured out what she was trying to say. Like, if you don't set the table, we eat off the table. We can't eat off the plates if you don't put them out. So that's the kind of thing I'm suggesting, okay? I want you to try to be creative. So if you have your argument in the living room, think about having them in the kitchen. If you have most of your arguments in the morning, try to have them in the evening. If you get upset in the morning, try to bite your tongue and wait until later. Do change when and where you have your arguments. Say or do anything different and then notice what happens. That's the key point. You have to try to do something different and then see what happens. And actually, I feel like as a spouse, our job is really to be to go on a fact-finding expedition so that we can uncover the patterns that we have developed in the ways that we relate in our marriage. If we do that, and if we try to do something different, then we will always learn something. If we have an open mind and an open heart, you can never fail. Because no matter what, when you try something different, you're going to get some kind of response that's going to teach you something about yourself or your spouse. Okay? Strategy number two is the media is the message. What I mean by that is when we talk about how we've tried everything, what we usually mean is that we've said everything. Because most of the time we rely on words. 
to try to resolve our problems. But talking is not the only way to solve our problems. And you know, in almost every couple, one person in the couple is usually more verbal than the other. So if we only rely on verbal communication, then the person who is not verbally oriented will always be at a disadvantage, which seems to be a setup for disaster. So I think if what we're saying to our spouse isn't landing, then instead of getting upset with our spouse, which is usually what we do, let's take it as a clue, a clue that something isn't working, and look at it as an opportunity to try something new. Usually when we do something and our spouse doesn't respond or doesn't respond in the way that we want, we ask, what is wrong with them, right? We've all had that experience, but actually that's the wrong question to ask. It doesn't get us anywhere. Instead, when we don't get the reaction that we want, it makes more sense, it's more effective if we can notice our part in the pattern and then ask ourselves, what could I do differently? totally different question. What's wrong with them? How about what could I do differently? What is my part in the pattern? And try to rely on actions instead of words. This can be revolutionary for a marriage. Here is an example that I want to give you that's actually based on my own life. And I want you to know that I actually experiment myself in my own marriage. And I, I tried this myself one day. So what I did was I realized, because as many of you, I've been married 31 years. And a couple of years ago, I realized, hmm, you know, we don't get too excited when we see each other at the end of the day anymore. Well, now we come home together. But in the old days, one of us would come home before the other. And I don't know if this happens in your household, but one of us would be in another part of the house and the door would open. I'm home. Oh, hi, nice to see you. In the first five minutes, there'd be a conversation from two different parts of the house. And then we'd be looking at the mail or that kind of thing. And I thought to myself, well, maybe I should just sit down with my husband and say, hey, honey, let's have a talk, which is always like the worst thing for most men to hear from their wives. Let's talk because I think that we should practice greeting each other more nicely. Instead of doing that, which would have been a good option, I thought I'd try my own suggestions and I thought I would just change the way I acted. So I only did this for a week. And I have to tell you, in less than a week, we changed the whole pattern of our relationship. The first night, I was home first, and my husband came home. And usually, I, I am not in the kitchen cooking. I'm actually in the living room on my computer. And instead of just not moving, when he came in, I put my computer down, which was huge. And I jumped up, and I ran to the door, and I greeted him, and I gave him a kiss. Welcome home, honey. And he didn't say anything, but that was that. And then the next day I did the same thing. And then the next day, the third day I came home and he was already home and I found him and I went right to where he was in the house, gave him a kiss and a hug. By the fifth day, he was doing the same thing. And we just, without having a heavy talk, we just changed the system. So I know that this works. It's just that we're not creative and we don't think about it. So I, that's why I thought I'd give you this example. Okay, strategy number three also sounds a bit unusual. It's called do nothing. Now I know you're wondering what I mean by that. I'll tell you what I mean by that. Sometimes we put so much of our energy on a problem, it just gets bigger and bigger. The more we focus on the problem, the bigger it gets. So sometimes it can be very helpful for us to just stop trying to fix things. Because if we stop trying to fix things, 
we leave a little space for something else to happen. We might actually discover that the people around us are more capable than we expected. But because we're always jumping in to do stuff, there's no space for them to do it. It's kind of like the more one person does, the less the other person has to do. It's kind of like a seesaw, you know? So what happens is that we end up creating the monster. So for example, if when you first got married, you did all the bills because you just didn't mind doing them, and then your spouse, who didn't like doing them, just got used to you doing all the bills and didn't feel confident anyway, you became like polarized. And then after five, six years, you started to get resentful because you always had to do the bills, but actually you trained your spouse that he never had to do the bills because you've been doing them. This is what happens in marriages, and it usually happens unconsciously. We create the monster. So often, our attitude and perception of something is actually what creates the problem in an otherwise neutral situation. And again, I'm going to give you an example from my own family. <laughs> my husband is a very neat, right-angled kind of guy, and which I really appreciate. A couple of years ago, he developed a new habit, and he started having a banana every evening after dinner. And every night, I'd go into the kitchen, and for some reason, some inexplicable reason he would leave the banana peel on the counter and you have to know that the garbage can was like three inches from this counter and he put everything else in the garbage can but he would never put this banana peel so you know how it is I my perception and attitude about this banana peel like it became like this huge thing in my life and like every night I would get upset about it I would get negative I would get annoyed I mean I can't even, it seems silly to me now, but that's what happened. It just became way out of proportion. So one day again, I thought I better try my own advice here. And I decided to change the way I reacted. And this all happened, by the way, with my husband having no idea. But he had no idea that I was angry, resentful, mad, <laughs> nothing. You know, it was just all in my head. So one day I decided I would change the way I responded to the banana peel. So I went into the kitchen and I yelled at back to my husband who was in the living room. I said, honey, you left the banana peel in the kitchen again. I love it when you do that. It's so cute. Now, I don't know how he responded because he was in the living room, but I did that every night for a week. And I tell you, by the end of the week, it was hysterical to me. I thought that this little habit of my husband's was delightful. And I basically changed my own attitude about the banana peel. This is always in our power to do. That's the point I'm trying to make. Now, I'm not saying that we should condone every awful thing our spouse does or says. Of course not. I am saying, however, that we can stop fighting our spouse's traits and actions. We can stop fighting them. Because when we label something as a problem, like I did with the banana peel, it actually becomes one. That's pretty deep when you think about it. When we label something as a problem, it becomes one. But you know, if we look at our differences in a new way and view them as facts of life instead of problems, it changes the way we respond to them. I know you've all had this experience where you met somebody for the first time and they had a huge something on their face, a mole or a scar or something really unusual, like so, so distracting that you could hardly focus on them. And then when you became friends with them, you didn't notice it anymore at all because it just became part of them. So that happens naturally for us when it's visual. 
but we can actually do that with more internal things. So we can pretend that the quality that bugs us in our spouse is like a physical scar and just accept it as a fact of life. Every marriage, there's going to be some differences that will never be resolved. Never. And successful marriages aren't successful because they have less things that they agree on. Not at all. The reason that successful marriages are more successful is because they learn how to manage their differences in healthier ways. Not only that, but they work really hard at acceptance. Acceptance is a real spiritual virtue. Hey, if you're getting something good from this episode, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with someone you love or leave a five-star review because the only way this podcast spreads around is through word of mouth. So a share or a review would go a long way and it only takes like 10 seconds to do. Thanks. Back to the show. All right. Strategy number five. This is a big one. I call it changing our diagnosis of the situation. So what I mean by that is the way that we size up our problem or interpret our problem always determines the kinds of solutions that we try, always. So it's really important for us to take a step back from something that's bothering us and ask ourselves, how am I assessing the situation? Let me give you an example. You've noticed in the last month or so, your spouse doesn't seem to want to have any physical intimacy with you. Pretty common in a long-term marriage. You don't really know why, and of course it's uncomfortable to ask. And so what do we do? We make assumptions. We make assessments based on what we know. Most of the time we don't know that much, so we just gather some evidence. Say, for example, this wife is wondering why her husband doesn't feel like having sex. A whole month goes by and it's pretty unusual and she's wondering what's going on. So she's thinking around what's been happening lately and she remembers, oh, we had this fight a few weeks ago and I bet he's still holding on to that and he's doing this on purpose to get back at me. That's a fair assessment. Could be true. If that's her assessment, if that's what she assumes is the reason for his actions, then she might think, okay, fine then, I'll get back at him, I don't really care, and she'll pull away. So her assessment of the situation is determining how she responds to it. Her response to the situation will also affect her spouse, of course. So she pulls away from him, and then of course he's going to feel that, he's going to respond to that. Now, say the same situation is happening, but she makes a different assessment. Say she thinks back and she's, oh yeah, you know, he's been having quite a few disagreements with his boss and he's been working a lot at home and I think he's pretty stressed out about work. So maybe he's just depressed. Maybe I should just like really make a little effort to take better care of him. Maybe I should suggest he go to the doctor. Maybe I'll give him a back rub. I'll make him a cup of coffee. Maybe we should have a little vacation. So. Again, her assessment makes sense on the limited information that she has, and if she decides to do some nice things for her husband, it's going to affect him, of course. So you see what I'm saying here is that the same actions her husband's doing, if she interprets them in two different ways, that's going to determine how she responds. Her interpretation will determine how she responds. This is very, very big. That means our actions almost always make sense. 
given our assessment of something. They're reasonable, but any diagnosis that we make is naturally going to narrow the field of solutions that we have to choose from. That also makes sense, right? So it does really make a difference if we try to be more generous in our assumptions and our assessments. Because if we have a positive assessment, it will determine the way that we respond. And the way that we respond will affect the way our spouse responds. You see what I'm saying? If we're not careful, we can make dead-end assessments. And then we get, we make it really, really hard for our spouses to grow. And we do this a lot, especially with our teenagers. But we do this with our spouses, too. We label them. Well, you're always like that. Or you never do this. And then we put them in a box. And we make it very hard for them to come out of the box, even though we want them to come out of the box. But our own actions are blocking them from being able to get out of the box. We get stuck because of our diagnosis, and then our spouses get stuck too. So the problem, of course, as many things in our lives, our assessments are almost always unconscious. And so because we're not aware of how we are assessing certain situations, then of course our reactions and actions based on our assessments are unconscious. So much of the way we interact with each other is unconscious, and that's part of a spiritual perspective and spiritual life is to become more aware. So it's really helpful. A way to get out of having being in the unconscious is to ask yourself questions like this. Is this assessment that I'm making fair? Is it a fair assessment? of my spouse? Does it make sense? Or should I get a little bit more information? And is this assessment limiting? These are really important questions and they can help us to change the way we assess things. Because I tell you, if we can change our diagnosis, we might get different responses. So it's really worth it to try and look at the way we are diagnosing things. All right. I hope you're all still with me. Strategy number six is accentuate the positive. We all know how to do this. What I'm talking about here is noticing and rewarding the good stuff. Most of us are quite good at this with our pets and with our very little children. <laughs> when their kids are little and they say their first word or they make their first steps, we're thrilled. We're just ecstatic. And I know I have a dog, so I'm really excited when my dog listens to me. However, the way that we react with as other adults, especially our spouses, we have much higher standards, okay? So it makes it more difficult. And the other thing is that we don't usually notice. It's always easier to notice the bad stuff, unfortunately. So we have to actually work at noticing the good stuff. That's the first step, noticing the good stuff and then commenting on it because what we give attention to is what tends to multiply. That's why, because it's easier for us to notice the bad stuff, and that's the stuff we give attention to, and that's the stuff we bring up, that becomes the stuff of our relationship if we're not careful. So we have to really practice noticing the good stuff and then giving it attention. And every kind of expression of appreciation that we offer to our spouse and our children is always going to uplift the atmosphere, and the atmosphere is going to support good, healthy things happening. Not only that, but whenever we can feel and, and express an attitude of gratitude, it always shifts our perspective. And when our own perspective shifts, then it often will shift our actions. This is huge. 
and very internal. The other thing is when something goes right, it's helpful if we can stop and notice. Wow, this is, it feels great tonight in our home. I feel so connected to my spouse. We have to notice when things seem better because when things are doing well, it's not magic, it's not just luck, and it's not just accidental. Things are doing well because we are doing something that's affecting our spouse in a certain way, and they're doing something that's affecting us. You understand? So it's really important for us to realize we have to notice when things seem better and stop and think, what am I doing differently here? Did I do something nice for him earlier or her? Did I compliment her or her, him? What's going on? Why does it, why do I feel more connected? Ask yourself, what am I doing differently here? And then, of course, you want to do more of what works well and less of what makes things worse, right? That's what we want to focus on. And then I just want to mention something that's really helpful information in terms of relationship. It's known as the butterfly effect. And what it means is that small conciliatory gestures can turn things around dramatically in a relationship. In other words, you could have a very big, intense disagreement with your spouse it does not necessarily require a big, intense conversation and discussion to sort it all out in order to turn things around dramatically. Actually, sometimes something very small can shift everything. So, for example, if you walk by your spouse and just casually put your hand on their shoulder, that little gesture can say a lot of things, right? It speaks volumes. I'm sorry. Let's start over. I really didn't mean to hurt you. Or you serve your spouse a cup of coffee. That's your gesture of saying, I'm really sorry. Or you buy them a flower, or you buy them their favorite book, or you go to the library, or you do a chore for them. Any small thing actually can have a very big impact because a small thing can change the dynamic. And again, that's what we're after, changing the dynamic. All right, here's the seventh and final strategy. And this one is called act as if. So often, again, this is, I want you to be thinking about what's going on inside of our minds and hearts, okay? So often, when we're upset with each other, we're assuming that our spouses are gonna act negatively to something that we're gonna do or bring up. So because we have that internal assumption, we unconsciously send out those signals because we're communicating all the time, right, in lots of different ways. So I'm going to read that again because I want you to think about it. We often assume that our spouses will respond in negative ways, and sometimes it's based on our experience that, you know, if I do that, then she's going to get upset, or if I say this, then he'll freak out. So we've had experiences that have taught us certain expectations, but also sometimes they're not based on experience. It's just based on our assumptions. So what happens though is that whatever we're assuming, especially if we're assuming something negative is gonna happen, we're putting out those vibes to our spouse without even knowing it. But they're picking up those vibes without even knowing it. So what happens is again, we are creating the monster. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So instead of say starting out a conversation in a careful, kind way, because we're assuming that our spouse is going to respond negatively to this conversation, we bring it up in a harsh way. 
and they respond to our harshness, not to the topic. You see what I'm saying? We have to be much more mindful of our attitudes and our assumptions. It helps if we can try asking ourselves a new question. Here's the question. How would I handle the situation if I were expecting good things to happen? What would I do if I really believed that my spouse was going to respond in an inspiring way? And this is hard to do. No matter how skeptical we might be about the possibility of good things happening, we have to try acting as if. This is kind of very similar to the spiritual practice of you do the right thing and eventually your heart will kick in. I mean, this is like spiritual 101, right? It's a little bit harder when it comes to relationship with our spouses, but it really makes a difference. It is really hard to do, but it can really make a difference. And one of the reasons why it's so hard is because we've spent years sometimes justifying all of our negative actions. We justify the ways that we're acting by telling ourselves, well, it doesn't really matter because no matter what I do, I never get the results I want because my spouse just never responds the way I want them to. So we feel very justified having an edge and being upset, but it gets us nowhere. It can be really, really helpful to try doing the things that we would do if we were convinced of a positive outcome. Experiment. Again, it's all about experimenting and then when we've tried to do it that way, we pay attention to the results. This is a fact-finding thing, remember, okay? We want to be fact-finders and love detectives. We want to be always learning about our spouses, and there's always more to learn. That's why I think that marriage is really our spiritual path, because it's the place where most of our important growth takes place. And I really believe that relationships are opportunities for us to to move closer to becoming the kind of people that we really want to be. Our spouses are really the people that help us to grow most. So if we actually treat our relationships as real-life laboratories for our spiritual practice, then we can be growing every day because every day we have opportunities to change the way we respond to our spouse, to try something new every day. And I just want to mention one more thing. This is one of my favorite techniques that I learned from Stephen Covey. He often talks about the pause button. He says that in between the stimulus and response, there's that moment. There's always that moment when we can pause and think before we react. That's part of becoming more conscious people, becoming more aware and consciously choosing how we're going to react. The pause button is a huge tool that we can utilize in our relationships. And in that moment, when we're using that pause button, we can ask ourselves before we speak, before we react, if I am really gonna live connected to my original mind and heart, connected to my highest self, my best self, then what will I do right now? That's what we wanna ask ourselves in that pause. If I really am trying to live according to the principle or according to my core values, what will I do right now? And I want also to remind you that in spiritual life and in relationship, little steps are big deals. They're big deals because little steps can make really big changes. So notice and appreciate the little steps that you make and that your spouse makes. All right, let's review. Here we go. The first one is change our interaction, not our spouse. The medium is the message. If it's not working, do something different. 
try doing nothing, practice acceptance, change our diagnosis, accentuate the positive, and act as if. Remember that relationships are like dances. We can change the steps. That's why one person can make a difference. And that, my friends, is the power of one. Before we move on to the questions and answers, I just want to recommend two books. If you like the content, then you would probably like these two authors. Michelle Wiener Davis has many wonderful books and a website, but one of her best books is Divorce Busting. And Susan Page has very keyed into marriage as a spiritual path and very clear about how we can change our marriages by changing ourselves. So both these books are really, really cool. Hey, if you want to improve your relationship or take your sex life to the next level, well, you're in luck because more than 70% of couples that take our Love and Integrity course said that the quality of their sexual relationship improved after joining the course. Sounds good? You can join the program today with your spouse or just take the course by yourself at loveandintegrity.com. See you in the next episode.